Hello, and welcome to the Commander Theory Podcast. I'm Nick Beatman, and I'm here with my friend, Zach Mack. Hello, theorists. So in our last episode, we went through all of the new commanders in Dominaria United. Uh, and in this episode, we're going to be going through the main deck cards, the other 99, the things you're going to put in those decks helmed by the new commanders. Um, so in, in we're hopefully this episode is going to be a fair bit shorter than the last one. Uh, again, thanks to Alex Whiteclay for contributing some, uh, some of his excellent analysis to this episode. But I don't want to belabor the intro too much. Before we jump in, I want to briefly talk about our Patreon. If you head on over to patreon.com slash commander theory, you can support the show and get sweet benefits, including ad-free episodes for as little as $1 a month. If you aren't ready to be a patron yet, you can help us out by rating or reviewing us wherever you get your podcasts. All right, uh, let's jump into it. We're going to start with the Planeswalkers and then all the other card types we're going to go through in color order. Yeah. Um, so, uh, number one, what is our first Planeswalker we're going to talk about today? Yes, the much-anticipated uh, Karn Living Legacy. So, let's see if the wait was worth it. Uh, this is a four-mana colorless Planeswalker. So, four generic mana for a Karn with four loyalty. He has plus one, create a tapped Power Stone token. And a Power Stone token is an artifact token that has tap, add, colorless, and... The mana can't be spent to cast a non-artifact spell. Um, so, very important little tidbit. is minus one. Pay any amount of mana. Look at that many cards from the top of your library. Then put one of those cards into your hand and the rest on the bottom of your library in a random order. And then minus seven, you get an emblem with tap an untapped artifact you control. This emblem deals one damage to any target. So... Uh, this is kind of all about that plus one. Like, yes, you can try to rush the minus seven. But as we've talked about so many times, it's like, it's kind of a, if you're being fair with this card, that's eight. Like what you play this turn four, then on turn eight, if no one attacked Karn, and honestly, I wouldn't attack Karn <laughs> unless I needed to, because I don't care about power stones or stuff. You'd get to that, so not super good. So let's it's it's all about that plus one and the minus one, and the plus one is interesting. So getting tower power stones that uh, make mana, you're just creating a like higher density of mana generation every turn, which is pretty cool. But that is just pretty slow. So you got to stay on board uh, uh, five turns before the mana output meet, meets like a hedron archive. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's, uh, that's not the best. <laughs> yeah, pretty slow. Uh, I definitely don't love this as a ramp card. Um, yeah. so, and, and just like as a value card, like if you're trying to do the minus one, that's also oh, not so gross. super exciting. Like, yeah, maybe if you had infinite mana, like if your deck has a lot of ways to generate colorless mana then or like infinite colorless mana then this could be an outlet for you mm-hmm. um it's you can sort of just although you really only get one card it's sort of just like a tutor and if you have yeah. infinite colorless mana you could just like run i don't know planar portal instead or like planar bridge yeah absolutely it does yeah okay all right i'm, I'm talking myself out of it no yeah um, it's it, it it's very 
the fact that Power Stone, like, they really could have just been like Anna colorless. So the fact that you have to like be clever with them too, and like use them on cycling or uh, like activated abilities, be- mm-hmm. or because you can't use them on non-artifact things, kind of blows too. So the, all in all, um, there's a tweet from Saffron Olive um, who <laughs> said that on Arena. Uh, they saw someone play a Karn Living Legacy and they just kind of felt bad for them for the few turns that that game lasted after that point. <laughs> and that's kind of how I feel like sums up Karn in in general. So, <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, not unless you're doing something really specific, this is like, this is a no-no, you know. So, do you want to move on to the next one, which is a, a much better <laughs> card? Yes, uh, this is Jaya Fiery Invest... Or Fire fiery <laughs> negotiator um it is two red red for a four loyalty legendary planeswalker jaya plus one create a one one red monk creature token with prowess minus one exile the top two cards of your library choose one of them you may play that card this turn minus two choose target creature and opponent controls whenever you attack this turn jaya deals damage equal to the number of attacking creatures to that creature and minus eight you get an emblem with whenever you cast a red instant or sorcery spell copy it twice you may choose new targets for the copies. Uh, what do you think about Jaya in Commander? I actually like this. Um, I know you that uh, we have a differing opinion on this, um, but I feel like this is enough things that you're going to get some amount of value for the four mana that you spend on it. But in particular, like old Jaya was meant to go into Spell Slinger decks, and I feel like this new Jaya shines in those kind of decks. Two uh, or and or um, uh, I cannot remember the group of superheroes name. The Super Friends. Um, so if you have a red Super Friends list, this I think is just an auto include. It's really good. And if you uh, if you don't, then don't worry about it. <laughs> um, I think it is really strong, much stronger than the old Jaya was. The old Jaya kind of like was a five mana do nothing, which is. Yeah, she doesn't really do any of the things I'm looking for in a Planeswalker and Commander. So she doesn't have like an immediate impact, really. Um, she doesn't protect true. her. She doesn't protect herself very well. Um, like she can make one blocker per round of turns, uh, or she can burn something, but only if you like send a bunch of attackers out. Um, so like you're gonna have less on defense. So I, I just don't think she's great at that. And then like she's not particularly good at drawing cards. Like you can't really use her minus one the turn you drop her, or, or like you're you're not likely to be able to get good value out of it. Yeah, like, yeah, that's definitely uh, true. <laughs> so I just don't really see anything super appealing about this card. Maybe if you can guarantee that you can emblem her, but she only copies red instant or sorcery spells. So you yeah. need to be running like a color identity that's like heavy red mm-hmm. um so, this was th- this was um when i saw this i was thinking of like the myla and luca like planeswalker like super friend list that we saw like some people tried to do and some people had fun with um but yeah i, I think we do agree in that like 
this is a very narrow <laughs> card. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm not going to just put this in a red. Like, you could kind of put something like a Torch of Defiance or something in a red deck because it kills something or it generates mana or, like, gets you cards overturned. Um, this is not quite as good at those things. So, yeah, I feel like this is... uh. It's a better Jaya, but not a better Planeswalker for Commander. <laughs> yeah. Uh, all right, let's move on to our last Planeswalker. This is oh, going to yeah. be a Johnny Sleeper Agent. Uh, it is one green and then hybrid Phyrexian green-white and then white. So, okay, so you can you can pay this for three uh, play this for like just one green white if you pay two life in addition uh, or you can pay like one green green white one green white white you get the idea mm-hmm. uh, it's a four loyalty legendary planeswalker johnny it is completed um, and so if you basically pay it using the phyrexian mana using the the life payment then it enters with two fewer loyalty counters uh, it has plus one, reveal the top card of your library. If it's a creature or planeswalker card, put it into your hand. Otherwise, you may put it on the bottom of your library. Minus three, distribute three plus one plus one counters among up to three target creatures. They gain vigilance until end of turn. And minus six, you get an emblem with whenever you cast a creature or planeswalker spell, target opponent gets two poison counters. What do you think about it, Johnny? <laughs> I don't think much. Um, this is... Uh... I mean, pretty sad that Ajani got Phyrexianized, and pretty sad that this card doesn't do anything. <laughs> mm-hmm. Like, um, I've used the flip Nissa Planeswalker a lot just because um, I got it when it came out in the pack, and I put it into decks, and I played it over the years, and it's pretty good. But the Nissa like gets you a forest, and then flips kind of naturally on its own. If it dies, you can reanimate it, uh, and then. The, the plus one on that Nissa does this, and I can tell you that you do not hit nearly enough times to make that card worth it for that reason. And that card does a lot of other things, too. This card, sadly, does not. Um, if you play this for two mana, or sorry, if you if you pay the two life for this, it's a three mana Planeswalker with two loyalty, so you can't even do the minus three, which is, like, the most exciting part of the card. I guess the most exciting part is the ult, but, like, it, I guess if I'm playing a deck with doubling season, like some kind of five color or like Bant super friends list again, and I can ult the turn I play it with like a doubling season or whatever. So like if you're doing that, sure. But but even then you have to cast like five creatures or planeswalkers per opponent. Yeah, I'm not. It's Yeah, it's like just splashy. It's not good. So mm-hmm. it's like there's not really ever a point when I'm like, super happy there are johnnies that i'm happy to play sometimes there's like a few good ones put loyalty counters on things that just make creatures like insane that just no one wants to attack because why (laughs) or whatever this one is like i like get get out of here like this i feel like my deck is actively worse for playing this card Mm -hmm. um so sorry sorry king say it ain't happening yeah yeah i pretty much agree with all that um i don't I don't find any of these abilities to be appealing, so not a card I'm looking to include in my decks. Yeah, but on the bright side, we're on the non-Planeswalker cards. So uh, do you mind if I start with this white one? Go for it. Sure, so we're just going to do Wurburg Order, like uh, like as is tradition. 
So this first one is called Defiler of Faith, and it is the first in a cycle, which is great that it's actually the first like main deck card we're going to talk about so I can get this line of text over with. So Defiler of Faith is a 5-5 Phyrexian human for 5 mana, 3 white-white with Vigilance. And this line of text that uh, I will repeat a few times kind of, but hopefully this first time we can get through the hard part of it. It says, as an additional cost to cast white permanent spells, you may pay 2 life. Those spells uh, cost white less to cast. If you paid life this way, that effect reduces only the amount of white mana you pay. Uh, so basically, it turns one white pip on any white permanent spell you're going to cast into Phyrexian mana. Um, and then he also has, whenever you cast a white permanent spell, create a 1-1 white soldier creature token. So we got a 5-5 Vigilance that makes soldiers, when you cast white permanence and makes your white permanence a little bit cheaper if you're willing to pay the life um so i I really like this one in particular do you want to talk about how you feel about it yeah i was thinking about it in decks that want to cast like white main lions a bunch yeah or like core skyfisher just things like um like god eternal oketra or uh karametra Mm-hmm. No, um, honestly, like if you had, so if you have any way to gain life in your God Eternal Catcher deck, which a lot of them end up doing because white just does that, and then like white main line's always the best card <laughs> in mm-hmm. that deck. And then if it costs zero, if it just costs two life and you're just cavern harping this over and over and over again to not only get like soldiers, but whatever else like you're triggering, like the four fours and from your commander and whatnot, like that seems crazy good. Yeah, this seems pretty strong. Um, so I think that's probably the best use for this card. Uh, other than that, I'm not extremely excited. I don't think there's a bunch of white decks that are looking to cast like you know a bunch of cheap weenies uh, after turn five. Like that's not super sustainable. Um, but sure, like it in the white main lions decks. Yeah, I I think it's fun in general like i i i like the phyrexian mana as just like a cost like i I, you're right that not a lot of decks are gonna dump their hand post like five mana in white like that's kind of not the aggro strategy but i feel like this will fit into some weird deck in someone's collection and they're gonna be really happy with it Uh, and i feel like that's gonna be true of a lot of these defilers um so let's i guess do you want to move on to this next card Yes, uh, so this next card is Destroy Evil. It is one in the white for an instant. Choose one, destroy target creature with toughness four or greater, or destroy target enchantment. Uh, so the closest point of comparison is like, I guess, Valorous Stance, maybe? Mm-hmm. Um, that's another modal spell that can destroy creatures with toughness four or greater, also can make a creature indestructible. Uh, that's in 11,000 decks on EDA Trek, but those are like mostly voltron lists that kind of <laughs> lean a little bit more on the indestructibility yeah your feathers um, and your whatnots yeah 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 um but i still think this is like an interesting versatile card like white spot removal still isn't like the deepest pool um and so i think there is room for something like this where you're not going to be able to kill every creature you can't kill somebody's like fauna shaman or something um but it is going to have like a decent array of targets in a game. And so like maybe in mono white decks, 
uh, I could imagine running this. Mm-hmm. That's pretty much how I feel too. I feel like this is versatile enough that like I could play it. Um, most games of Commander, there is a crappy enchantment you want to blow up, honestly, with like. I'm trying to remember the name of the card. The Sphere of Safeties, the Propagandas, those are always like a pain in the butt and being able to go like, hey, if I blow that up, will you attack them instead? It's always pretty good. Uh, on top of just like smothering ties and whatnots mm-hmm. that might exist. Um, and then there's pretty much always a four toughness creature, like not all the time and it's not always the biggest threat, but I, I feel like this card is good enough that I would play it in mono white, like you said. It's doing a yeah. lot of stuff. Um, which I guess gets us to our next card. Um, can I read this one off? Go for it. So this is Roberan Mercenaries. This is a 3-4 human mercenary for 4 mana, 3 and a white. Uh, they have Vigilance, and Roberan Mercenaries has all activated abilities of all legendary creatures you control. Um, uh, wow, actually, this is, like, pretty cool. <laughs> yeah, the... First thing I thought when I saw this card was like, oh, another Kiki Jiki combo. Um, so basically, yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Uh, so basically, you can, if you have them both on the battlefield, um, you can make infinite tapped mercenaries really easily. So you kind of have to like just do nothing and hope nobody notices your combo. And then at the end of like the opponent's turn to the right of you, you do it, but like, you know, you tap Kikijiki, make a copy of Rabar and Mercenaries. The new copy has haste. Then it taps uh, to like, basically it can use Kikijiki's ability. So it targets itself, makes a copy that also has haste, uh, blah, blah, blah. You keep doing that. You have infinite tapped ones. And as long as you do that uh, during the end step of the player before you, then you'll be able to untap with them and swing before they all go poof at the end of your turn. Hmm. Yeah. Really. I mean, that's very powerful. I think this card is really powerful. Can I go over? Uh, Alex was very kind and found a a great list of things that I agree with because I was going to say the friends forever, which are all there's a lot of white ones and they do some pretty cool things. Mm-hmm. Um, this was the um, they've been magicized, but it was the uh, secret layer with the uh, Stranger Things kids. Um, but there's there's a ton of white creatures with good activated abilities. Any any deck I would run, um, White Plume Adventure, I would run this card too. So like Oswald Fieldbender, Neombi 2.0, Silvala 1.0, uh, Captain Sisse was the one that like I immediately jumped to because you just can probably win once you're tutoring for two cards. Mm-hmm. Um, Setsuki, Triad of Fates, uh, Shale and Embros, uh, which are the put counters on guys was the owl side the shale side and ambrose is the like do you put a counter on a creature and deal two to it uh and then whenever your creatures the counters dies you draw cards uh Ozgear was really good to me uh same with gen kelsian and jan jansen so thank you alex for putting this list together i think this is a pretty comprehensive list if you're running any of those decks i would put this card in it and if you're running any deck with like these cards as like key pieces i would put them in it if you're just running like a white red artifact deck with oswald or something like that this you're probably gonna get a lot of a lot of value out of this one so really cool and it's just gonna get better over time so i'm hoping it stays cheap right now so i can pick some up and then years down the line when we finally get all these white tapping creature (laughs) rewards like Mm -hmm. it'll uh it'll do a little bit more so uh can i read off this next card go for it 
So this one's a doozy. This is a mythic. It's Sarah Paragon. Uh, it is a 3-4 flying angel for 4 mana, 2 white-white. It says, once during each of your turns, you may play a land from a grave from your graveyard. So not, <laughs> not a graveyard. That'd be crazy. <laughs> uh, or cast a permanent spell with mana value 3 or less from your graveyard. If you do, it gains when this permanent is put into a graveyard from the battlefield, exile it, and you gain 2 life. So um, just to kind of reiterate, like once a turn, you can play a land from your graveyard. And once a turn, you can cast a small thing from your graveyard. Um, and if they die, they are gone for good, but they give you two life on the way out. So, yeah, how do you feel about this? So, I, I love seeing like a Ramanap excavator in a color identity with, or like a color that has mass land yes, destruction. Yes, 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 uh, yes, yes. Just the ability to more easily like break symmetry on mass land destruction is really, really powerful. Um, and then, of course, like the ability to cast your spells, like this works. So great with all the cheap white ETB creatures we've seen over the last couple of years. Um, also, like self-sacrificing creatures like Cathar Commando. Uh, this and and I guess like Bounty Agent. Uh, but there's just like a lot of good targets for this to work with. Um, I'm excited to see a card like this, and uh, I, I guess like. Uh, oh, also, it is worth noting that this works really well with White's Blink effects. Um, if you blink a creature, it loses the ability that makes it exile and it dies. So lots, lots going on with this card. Um, yeah, so cool. <laughs> mm-hmm. I think we can move on to the next one, though. Yeah. Uh, this is Temporary Lockdown. It's one white-white for an enchantment. When Temporary Lockdown enters the battlefield, exile each non-land permanent with mana value two or less until temporary lockdown leaves the battlefield. Uh, what do you think about this? Yeah, so I saw this and immediately thought of a card that surprised me and Nick both um, in how many decks it ended up being run in, which was Culling Ritual from uh, the Strixhaven block. Uh, Culling Ritual is two black-green, destroy all non-land permanents with mana value two or less, and then you get a bunch of mana for it. This... Uh, is pretty similar. So Culling Ritual is in 32,000 decks on EDH Rec. Um, and this pretty much does a lot of the same things. You can play it really early. It screws over fast mana. Um, it screws over tokens. It screws over like a ton of things that might just kill you <laughs> in, a, in a game. Uh, and it does it for three mana in a color that can easily tutor it as an answer. So I, I feel like this is good. Uh, I, I feel like I will probably end up casting this card at some point. It, it's definitely very good in like CDH metas, but I, I feel like even in a normal game of Commander, like hitting everyone's like Soul Ring and Line or Elf and like uh, Scare Scarecrows or what's the Painter Servants, you know, whatever they might be using to combo or do their thing, like that seems good to me. Yeah, we have somebody in our meta with a Luris deck, so this just seems. Uh, yeah, super cool, quite good. Yeah, yeah. hosing them. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think it's a, a great card. I like seeing this makes me really wish that one day we get like a processor commander in white. Oh um, yeah. But no, it it seems excellent. It is worth noting that like it is Sun Titan compliant. Uh, it is Sarah Paragon compliant. So even if it dies, uh, and like sort of resets things back to how they were you have we're we're getting a growing number of ways to recur it and reuse it 
Mm-hmm. So Sabine's reclamation, do, all that yeah, kind of stuff. Yeah. Hall of Heliod's generosity. So um it it being temporary you know, it's a it's a downside relative to it being a sorcery, but you also have more opportunities for recursion. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Or or like let's say they cast some things afterwards, you can sack it, heal of Heliod's Hall of Heliod's generosity back to the top and then get even more <laughs> of the little guys. So like yeah, it being a permanent's not necessarily a bad thing. Um speaking of being a permanent, this next one is a saga. This is Urza Assembles the Titans. Um and as read ahead. So read ahead basically means you can start on any chapter you want, and then the uh, saga will progress as normal from that point. So let's say you don't want to do chapter one, you can skip to chapter two, you do chapter two, and then chapter three on your next uh, main phase. So the Urza Assembles the Titans is five mana, so three white white, and chapter one is scry four, then you may reveal the top card of your library. If it's a Planeswalker card, uh, you may put it into your hand. Uh, the two chapter two is you may put a planeswalker card with mana value six or less from your hand onto the battlefield. Um, a spoiler alert. That's most of them. Most <laughs> of them are six or less. Uh, and then chapter three is you may activate the loyalty abilities of planeswalkers. You control twice this turn rather than only once. Yeah, this is, I mean, where would you put this? card? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, this is clearly a card or super friends um it is kind of nice that it sort of refunds both the card and the mana with its first and second chapter uh and then you just get this like kind of gravy uh third chapter where you get to activate all your planeswalkers again um it is kind of slow mm-hmm. uh definitely true yeah um so maybe if you're in a more narrow color identity for super friends, I'm thinking like Jeru perhaps. Oh yeah. Um, so that's, that's kind of where I'm at with the card. Um, do you have any more thoughts on it? Um, no, I, I played in super friends. It seems pretty good there and I would not play it if I don't have a really high density of planeswalkers. Um, oh yeah. So. Please use your hypergeometric calculator to figure out uh, exactly what your hit rate is going to be. In fact, you know what? I could do it for you. Yeah. So like maximum, we're seeing five cards deep. Um, ooh, yeah. Let's. What do we want to go for in terms of like? Do we, uh, yeah, what, do we want our like acceptable percent? Do we want like how? Yeah. No, how how often do we want to whiff? I guess like. Yeah, let's say eighty percent. So you need twenty-seven planeswalkers in order to consistently get value off the first chapter. So keep that in mind. That's probably your threshold if you want like less risk if you want like 90 percent uh then you're gonna have to go really crazy and run like 36 planeswalkers so uh just be aware that like this is clearly only for decks with very very high planeswalker counts yes absolutely with that said let's go to a card that uh (laughs) is the it's part of a cycle uh and it's important and it does things for for the cycle but uh, we'll talk more about it. This is Valiant Veteran. This is a core soldier for two mana. Uh, one and a white for a 2-2. Two, two. So two mana, 2-2. Two, two. Wow. It says other soldiers you control get plus one, plus one. Uh, it also says three white, white. Exile Valiant Veteran from your graveyard. Put a plus one, plus one counter on each soldier you control. So this is there's a cycle of like lords in the set. Monocolor lords. Uh, the white one is soldiers. 
And, um... <laughs> oh, no. Oh, <laughs> they did sucks. our boys so dirty. <laughs> so bad. Uh, it's man. not even, like, a great choice of tribe. Like, there is yeah. <laughs> literally no commander that is explicitly soldier tribal. If it was humans, it would have done a lot more work. If it was... Even if it was... Eh, I don't know. Just very disappointing. Um, and also, like, the other members of the cycle kick ass like all of them are really really good (laughs) yeah so love seeing like the white member of the cycle being the worst one and also being like not the most relevant tribe in commander like yeah there's a lot of human or a lot of soldier token generators but like it's not a popular tribe if you look at soldier tribal on edh rec uh you have to go like pretty far down the list before you get there um and like like are you gonna run i mean sure you could maybe put it in your darian deck um but it's just like not a particularly popular commander like i'm i'm underwhelmed by many aspects of this card is what i'm trying to say yeah and and you're right i mean we often talk about how one one isn't a big enough buff and yeah soldiers this is definitely a 60 card plant so it kind of blows that like every other card they're able to make very good for commander as well and this one they're like i don't know phone it in <laughs> yeah it exiles from a graveyard or something i don't know <laughs> mm-hmm. so with that with that we are in the blue cards uh and this first one uh we're gonna zoom by pretty quickly it's called academy lore master uh it is a two three four blue blue so just two mana it's a human wizard And it says, at the beginning of each player's draw step, that player may draw an additional card. If they do, spells they cast this turn cost two more to cast. So, uh, this card is very good in decks that don't cast spells on their turn. Uh, And if your friends want to screw themselves over to draw an extra card, well, they're welcome to do that too. Um, Because you drew your extra card and your spells cast the normal amount. So this is good for like Rashmi, uh, Baral, who's like countering a bunch of stuff usually. Um, anything, any blue deck that's like really, that maybe like an Afara, something like that. So blue decks that are casting spells on opponents' turns. This is basically just a uh, two mana Howling Mind for you, and all your opponents kind of get screwed when they try to have some fun too. So that's kind of all. I don't know if you have any any thoughts on it, or if if you want to keep on moving. Uh, I'm ready to move on to the next one. Cool. Um, <clears throat> this is the second one in the Defiler cycle. Uh, it is three blue blue for a four three creature Phyrexian Phinx. Phyrexian, God. Phyrexian Sphinx. Uh, it's Defiler of Dreams. It's flying and it has the, the blue version of the like Defiler ability. So as additional cost to cast blues permanent spells, you can pay two life. Those spells cost blue less to cast if you paid life this way. This effect only reduces the amount of blue mana you pay. And then whenever you cast a blue permanent spell, draw a card. So I was thinking, um, I mean, it is a Sphinx, and in an Unesh deck, it will further reduce the cost of your Sphinxes. So getting like the two generic reduction from Unesh and this like blue reduction from Defiler of Dreams could actually just make a lot of your Sphinxes free, especially like the changelings you're running. Uh, that seems very good. And of course, like you are getting as you're casting all your Sphinxes, you get to draw even more cards thanks to Defiler. So it seems very good at sort of like lubricating the 
the like Sphinx ball aspect of that deck. Mm-hmm. Um, and then maybe you could put it um, in like some other blue decks that lean heavily towards cheap permanence. I'm thinking sort of like maybe like Razalax flying men decks or like maybe even Merfolk uh, tribal. So that's an option. Like it is, if you're just casting, I mean, it's kind of a beast whisperer that also reduces the mana cost of your spells. So it's just kind of, I think they were like intentional. This is like the best trigger on a defiler. Um, yeah, that we get. Yeah. And it's, I think it's because like, they know there's just not that many creature oriented blue decks. Like if they put this ability on a, the green one, it would be insane. But here it's just <laughs> yeah. like, fine it's just like a niche bonus to a couple rando blue creature decks Mm -hmm. yeah i was thinking like naban you know like wizards spawn of blue wizards and stuff like that so yeah pretty much exactly everything you said so um oh it is worth noting i'm sorry one last mm -hmm. thing yeah yeah. uh if you if you can somehow like assemble getting this and a shrieking drake uh then it is very very good because you can you don't have to pay the mana cost for Shrieking Drake. You can just pay life and then you draw a card every time you cast it. So you can kind of like storm off, get a bunch of storm, draw a bunch of cards uh, and it just costs you a bunch of life. And then hopefully you can win from there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, if I, if I drew, I don't know, let's say like 15 cards or something and I couldn't find a win in the deck that I put together to do that <laughs> then <laughs> there might be a problem with my deck building more so than anything else um so i guess let's keep on moving can i read off this next one yeah go for it so this is hadi jin so hadi jin is a star four uh for three mana one blue blue it's a jin it has flying and its power is equal to the number of instants and sorceries in your graveyard and then it says instant and sorcery spells you cast cost one generic less to cast so uh this is a very popular effect the uh what's it called goblin electromancer is in like a few like thousands many tens of thousands. yeah tens of that it's like 40 i have to look um brawl is also extremely popular yeah in 26,000 decks um so this is an effect that people like wizards of thay was just printed uh, that I have had a a blast with. That card is crazy. Uh, and Font of Magic was also printed in the same set, which is your instants and sorceries cost one less for each time you cast your commander from the command zone. So th- I I like this because it's basically going into... It's a Godwin Electromancer that you can put in any blue deck, which is pretty cool. That's a pretty nice tool that we can get. Uh, and people kind of get pissed at Brawl, even if you're not doing that you know if you're not countering spells and stuff like that um they're like brawl and you're like no 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 it's the mana part and they're like brawl because <laughs> everyone had like a pretty bad time the first time they saw that card i don't know i like this card i think it's a cool tool yeah i i think i'm more likely to run it in a mono blue spell splinger deck um in like an is it deck you just kind of open up the options for yourself um like in is it you're gonna run brawl first then like electromancer then maybe like cloud key and then vadric and mizix and then maybe you would think about running haughty Jin. um 
So yeah, just be aware that like, as you're, well, ask yourself like how many of these effects you want and where it ranks for you in your color identity. Um, Cause there are some decks that are going to want it, but it's definitely, it, it's not high on my list is what I'm trying to say. Yeah, absolutely. I, yeah. I still like it. I, like you said, like if you're not in, is it, if you're like a blue something spell slinger deck, then this is a lot better for you. So with that said, let's get to uh, <laughs> another spell slinger card, but that I'm pretty into. So this is micromancer. This is a three, three human wizard for four mana, three and a blue micromancer says, when it enters the battlefield, you may search your library for an instant or sorcery card with mana value one, reveal it, put it into your hand, then shuffle. So um, it's a four mana tutor on a body. It's pretty good. And what do you get? You get like little, little tiny spells. But honestly, there's a lot of little tiny spells that have a lot of oomph. So uh, how do you feel about this? What What are you thinking about with uh, Micromancer? So I think pretty much every color has like some good targets. Um, you know, black gives you vampiric tutor and tomb. If you want to kind of like tutor for a broader tutor, uh, you can also reanimate or like demonic consultation, uh, red Scott gamble. And, and then also some good X spells like rolling earthquake by force meltdown. Uh, green has green sun Zenith pest infestation. Um, White's got uh, a couple things like Enlightened Tutor, Steel Shaper's Gift, Swords to Plowshares. And then Blue has like Mystical Tutor, Personal Tutor, um, Swan Song, uh, an, an offer you can't refuse, High Tide. Actually, High Tide. Yeah, it's pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's. Uh, oh, uh, Alex mentioned that it was uh, pretty good in Orvar because it can grab your Whim of Volrath, which is like kind of the most important card in the deck. Um, but just be aware, like, you know, it, uh, four mana is a lot and there's a lot of color identities that, uh, can do better in terms of searching for stuff. Like maybe even blue, like this is definitely a downgrade compared to like spell seeker. Mm-hmm. Um, so you're not going to run it over that. And then if you're in, and a lot of decks, like, you just wonder, do you need to to run Micromancer? Because um, even like Dizzy Spell transmutes for less mana than Micromancer costs. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and then of course you, yeah, you can like get Mystical Tutor and a Personal Tutor with this, but like you also just you wouldn't wouldn't run it over those cards. This is like maybe the seventh card you put in your deck if you're just trying to tutor out spells. Yeah, and, and we. We just got solved the equation like a year or two ago. So yeah, another good point. So not not the most important thing, but yeah. If I, I mean, if I was playing the bond, I would have put this in the bond. Uh, if I made it these days, so you know, like there's some places for it, and like you said, like if you're doing like a high tide thing, uh, if you're trying to get that in tomb or something, or the reanimate. Um, so it's got yeah. places. If there is like one really important card that your deck is built around, like the Whim of Wrath in Orvar, yeah, then it makes sense to run like as many ways to find it as you possibly can. Yeah, uh, and yeah, I think that pretty much sums this up. Let's get to this next guy. Sure, uh, this is the Phasing of Zalfir. Two blue blue for an enchantment saga. It has read ahead, which means you can start it on any of its three chapters. Uh, the first and second chapter are the same. They both say 
Another target non-land permanent phases out. It can't phase in for as long as you control the phasing of Zalfir. And then the third chapter is destroy all creatures. For each creature destroyed this way, its controller creates a 2-2 black Phyrexian creature token. Uh, so it's definitely a rare effect in this color identity. Uh, it, I mean, it looks a bit like an Ixodron, although it you know does have that nice bonus ability to save one or, or more of your things. Um, I could imagine running this in like a Raph Capuchin, the first one, uh, so you can like flash it in at the end of somebody's turn, start it on chapter two and like phase out Raph. And then on your turn, the third chapter triggers, blows up everything and Raph reenters the battlefield. That sounds kind of cool. What do you think about just like the base case of it's an Ixodron, except, you know, easier to get out of for your opponent's commanders? Yeah. <laughs> no, yeah, I, I really like this card. Like to me, this just kind of, seems like a blue wrath like for the for the most part like obviously i'm aware of the ways that those cards are different but a four mana way to just deal with a board if you need to right now and like a little bit of trickiness if that's something you're looking forward to as well like that's great this card just seems like it might be a new mono blue staple to me uh yeah definitely a good option for colored ends that just don't have a lot of access to board wipes yeah yeah, blue green, mono blue, anything kind of in that vein. You're probably going to be pretty happy with this card. So, mm-hmm. um, this next one is pretty quick and easy, uh, and it is well, the only, I think, the only Homerid throwback we got this time around. Um, so this is called Shore Up, uh, which is, I think, a pun also. So it's an instant just for a single blue pip. Uh, and it says target creature you control gets plus one plus one gains hexproof until end of turn untap it so very easy very simple uh where would you put this nick so i would put this in the alondo deck so alondo is just looking for as many cheap ways to untap himself as possible so like a one mana instant that not only untaps him but also can potentially protect him against opposing spot removal is extremely interesting uh for that deck yeah that, that's pretty much it yeah i mean i've seen versions of like uh kaidel where like they're untapping her to make a bunch of colorless for things so this this would go in like that kind of like i'm untapping any time you really just need to chain untapping your commander together <laughs> so alondo i think is the best version of that right now but uh there's this card is just going to be a cool tool for those decks forever now. Um, this next card is pretty crazy. This is uh, Vesuvan Duplomancy. It's an enchantment. It costs four mana. And it says whenever you cast a spell that targets only a single artifact or creature you control, create a token that's a copy of that artifact or creature, except it's not legendary. Um, holy cow. <laughs> so there are some commanders that are just going to go off the wall with this. The two that Alex found that I a thousand percent agree with are Shu Yun and Veyran. Veyran in particular already is doubling your Magecraft triggers. Um, so like at some point, like sick tuppling your Magecraft triggers because you keep targeting your commander. That seems pretty good. You know, mm-hmm. seems like not a bad thing for you. Um, so this card's really cool. It's basically like, mini orvar for 
pretty much any deck that targets their stuff. Um, so if that sounds good to you, I would play this. Uh, do, do you have any other tech or insight you would like to impart? Uh, no, not especially. I guess like it seems kind of interesting in Hinata. Um, oh yeah, so, yeah. So like if you have ways to target Hinata, then you can make more Hinatas, which make your spells even cheaper and make your opponent's spells more expensive. Um, just getting to the point where you've got where your opponent's like spot removal costs three or four extra mana <laughs> uh, seems really, really oppressive. Yeah, hard to get um, through. Yeah. You know, if you've maybe got some sort of like Sakashima deck that runs a lot of like things that target your guys, uh, it could be worth looking into. Like some number of Sakashima of a thousand faces decks, like run um you know like right of replication or cackling counterpart just like more ways to get copies of whatever you're trying to copy um and this is like another way to get more value out of those spells but i don't know if the density is high enough for that to be awesome something to think about yeah so this next card is vodalian hexcatcher one in a blue for a one one creature merfolk wizard it has flash other merfolk you control get plus minus one and sacrifice a merfolk counter target non-creature spell unless its controller pays one uh what do you think about this lord so this is pretty much exactly what i want to do with my merfolk um i think this is way better with uh emperor mihail yeah than it has been in like other versions of merfolk over the years but um i I really, really like this for what it's doing and for what it says. Because basically, this is like a love letter to all the people who... Um, like Curse Catcher. Ha- yeah, exactly. And Curse Catcher's been such a big part of the Merfolk like, play style and identity for so long that turning all of your Merfolk into that is good. Uh, there isn't a lot of Merfolk token production. Um, and Merfolk are one of the only tribes where like the plus one, plus one actually... like will do something because there are just so many merfolk lords that when they just all sit together all of a sudden everything gets plus five plus five and you're like i cannot believe everything gets plus five plus five right now (laughs) um so not that like it's the reason to play the card i I would play the card because it's a flash counter spell (laughs) in Mm -hmm. my merfolk tribal but um yeah that's this kind of uh how i feel but i think this is a great addition to merfolk in general yeah, I really love this card. Uh, I think we can move on to the next one. Yeah, absolutely. We're in the black cards now. Mm-hmm. Uh, so this is Activated Sleeper. Uh, this is two and a black for a 0-0 zero, zero creature Phyrexian Shapeshifter. It's got Flash, and you may have Activated Sleeper enter the battlefield as a copy of any creature card in a graveyard that was put there from the battlefield this turn, except it's a Phyrexian in addition to its other types. Uh, so this stuck out to me because it has a little bit of combo potential. If you have a Cavalier of Night and a Sack Outlet, um, you can like sack the Cavalier of Night, uh, and once it's in your graveyard, you can have the activated Sleeper come in as a copy of it. And then uh, Cavalier of Night has this Death Trigger, which when it dies, you can return a creature with uh, mana value three or less from your graveyard to the battlefield under your control. And the thing is, like normally that's fine. Like Cavalier of Night itself has five mana value but if 
you are copying the Cavalier, you can just have Activated Sleeper get itself back with this death trigger uh, and then re-enter as another Cavalier and then just keep doing that over and over and over, generating whatever your sack outlet produces the entire time. So that's uh could be a little fun combo potential. Um I, I think like there are some like blue black decks that can accommodate this this combo pretty easily because there's also some like cheap um clones that also work well with Cavalier of Night, like a you know, Phantasmal Image or Mirror Image, um, or like Glass Pool Mimic. So I think there's like a shell coming together there. Um, mm-hmm. But that's kind of what I was thinking for this card. We can move on if you like. Yeah, no, I, I think that's cool. And I love the Cavalier cycle. So cool to see more uses for him. Um, so yeah, this next card is the Cruelty of Gix. It is a black saga. It costs five mana, three black, black. It has read ahead, so you can skip to any chapter you want. So that's fun. Uh, chapter one is target opponent reveals their hand. You choose a creature or planeswalker card from it. That player discards that card. Chapter two, search your library for a card. Put that card in your hand, then shuffle. You lose three life. And chapter three is put target creature card from a graveyard onto the battlefield under your control. So, um, I mean, this is a lot for five mana. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. like if you're just going through it it's gonna feel a lot like uh kind of a worse like elder god reborn or what what's the elder dragon reborn i can't remember the, that the eldest reborn eldest reborn yeah that's the one i'm thinking of um but like the fact that it does a lot of things for you it's a tutor you can skip to wherever you want i think this card is like pretty good <laughs> Yeah, so I'll I'll say that like I think the first chapter is like pretty boring. You're probably just going to skip to chapter two the majority of the time. I'll also say that like if you just want a tutor, this is not really the card for you. Yeah, absolutely. Because <laughs> if you just want a tutor, like you can play Vampiric Tutor and Demonic Tutor and Grim Tutor, and I think Demonic Bargain is the name of the one from Crimson Vow. Oh yeah. Um, there's just a lot of ways to do it for less mana. Um, and if, so if you're really trying to assemble a combo or grab one thing in particular, you don't need the cruelty of Gix. You've got better options. Um, but if you are playing some sort of deck that can get value from recurring this or like taking it down. So if you've got, I don't know, like a hex parasite or something or a thrall parasite, if you can just like kind of bounce uh, back to the earlier chapters as many times as you like or get this back from your graveyard to the battlefield or to your hand with like a hall of heliod's generosity um then it becomes really sick like also just like playing this skipping to chapter two searching out like a replenish when you already have other enchantments in your graveyard um seems kind of sick so like you know yeah. then you just get the free animation and then the, that turn you get to get it back and tutor for something else and get all your other enchantments back. Um, so if you have the synergies, it seems really tight. If you just want to set up combos, then I'm eh, look somewhere else. Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty much exactly how I feel about it too. So, all right. Uh, I'm ready to move on to the last black card. If you are. Yeah, let's do it. Uh, so this is shadow, right? Priest. It is the black member of the Lord cycle. 
Uh, it's one in a black for a 2-2 creature human cleric. Other clerics you control get plus one plus one. Three black black tap, sacrifice another cleric. Search your library for a black creature card, put it onto the battlefield, then shuffle. What do you think about this card? Oh god, I love it. I cannot I can't get enough of it. This is exactly what I want to do in a black cleric list. <laughs> like, this is so cool. That like the fact that you can just get any black creature. It like they didn't even screw you. They weren't just like, yeah, you know, stick to the clerics, buddy. They were like, <laughs> yeah, you know what? Yeah, you spent 5 in a creature, just go for it. So cool. <laughs> so, yeah, I'm I'm really high on this. Like I the fact that it busts my clerics, I could care I don't even actually know if I could care less about <laughs> but <laughs> but it this is yeah really cool very cool addition to cleric tribal um yeah I don't know I, I'm, I'm gonna stop gushing and let you start gushing probably <laughs> <laughs> yeah I, I agree that like the buff is really the least important part of this card um there's a lot of things you can do, especially if you have multiple clerics to act as sack fodder. Um, I love that it's not sorcery speed, so you can just you can actually set up a combo pretty easily. Um, if at the end of like your opponent's turn you activate it once, you can get like a I don't know an opposition agent, and then on your turn you activate it again and get a Marilyn of the Morn song, and then whoops, now you know I tutor every turn and my opponents are locked out of drawing cards or tutoring. Um, <clears throat> or rather, you know, they can tutor, but then I just get the card. Uh, so that, that seems great. Also, you can get like Micaeus the Unhallowed and then on your turn, get Sidisi Undead Vizier and then make Sidisi exploit itself or the Shadow Rite Priest, whatever it's done its work. Uh, and then you get a walking ballista and then you can just walking ballista and Micaeus to blah, 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 kill your opponents. Um, even if you can only get this off once, like Vilas is pretty good that's the guy who whenever you pay life um you draw that many cards and he lets you pay a black and and two life to give something minus one minus one uh razaketh also pretty good like this is kind of assuming you've got more sack fodder lying around but he can just get even more tutors for you also help you assemble combos uh yeah there's just a lot going on with this card it seems very uh i mean you do have to have the cleric sack fodder but if you can accomplish that then it seems very good yeah and there there's a lot of cleric sack fodder these days there's there's a lot of cool clerics in these colors so uh or in this in this color <laughs> mm-hmm. so i don't think you'll if, if you're building a cleric deck you're gonna be super fine so yeah very cool very happy um and with that do you want to keep on moving Yes. Uh, so next, let's get on to the red cards. Uh, first, we've got Electrostatic Infantry. Uh, this is one in a red for a 1-2 creature dwarf wizard. It has trample. Whenever you cast an instant or sorcery spell, put a plus plus one counter on Electrostatic Infantry. Um, so this sure doesn't look like much, but I'm thinking like it could actually do some work in like a Balmor or an Adelise maybe even a Veyran, just some sort of like hyper-aggressive blue-red spell slinger uh, beat-down list. Um, it is also worth noting that it is a dwarf, um, which is relevant for, like, it's not a, a not an awful dwarf, so you could possibly yeah. <laughs> end up Magda. Um, 
But I'm thinking like that's where I would put this card. Like just the fact that you can have this and Balmor out and then every spell you cast like grows this guy by two power, um, half of which, you know, half of which is permanent, uh, I, I think is uh, it, it could be decent, could help you break through um, a little bit easier. Yeah, I pretty much agree with all of that. I, I think that um, as this goes, uh, it's not a bad dwarf. Uh, and dwarves are slowly becoming more and more important if you want to play with certain commanders. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, it's a very good wizard in your Spellslinger deck. Like, like if you're just trying to beat down, it also is like so nice to fling this guy. You're like, oh yeah, okay. Like end of your turn, like hit you for 10, fling it for 10. Mm-hmm. <laughs> really enough to kill somebody. So um, yeah, just in general, pretty, pretty cool. Um, do you want to move on to the the next uh, red card? Sure, go ahead and read it off. So this is Keldon Flame Sage. Uh, this is a two three human shaman, and this is the I think the first time we got to this ability. This whole episode, which is pretty funny, mm-hmm. uh, it's a two three human shaman for three two and a red, and it has enlist. So enlist is uh, whenever this creature attacks, you can tap another creature that isn't summoning sick. And if you do, this creature gets that creature's uh, power until end of turn. Um, but this one has another ability, too. So whenever Keldon Flame Sage attacks, look at the top X cards of your library, where X is Keldon Flame Sage's power. You may exile an instant or sorcery with mana value X or less from among them. Put them the rest uh, on the bottom of your library in a random order. And you may cast the exile card without paying its mana cost. Like The bigger you can make this thing, the bigger the free spell you get and the deeper you get to dig for it um so like as a two three red creature attacking it's like not the craziest there's not a lot of like two mana red instants that are getting played in like commander you know or or sorceries really for that matter (laughs) so Mm -hmm. you're really gonna need to pump it up a little bit but as soon as you do getting like any like three, four, five power off of this. You're digging really deep. You're finding something really good for you. Um, So I I think that in the right deck, this is really strong. I think it's really funny that they hid... If you look at the card, like Enlist just says Enlist and doesn't actually like say (laughs) what you do with Enlist because otherwise this card would have been like... 10 or 12 lines of text. Yeah, this is definitely a wordy card. Mm -hmm. So I don't know how you feel about this. Uh, so I, I mean, I think you definitely need to pump its power. Uh, it seems extremely unlikely, uh, that your deck is going to have enough instants and sorceries for you to consistently hit. If you're only digging two cards down, like hypergeometric calculator says you need like 55 instants and sorceries with mana value two or less. Yeah. Uh, so that's, that's probably not going to happen. Um, but you know, if you can get even for like three um and sorry like that 55 only gives you an 80 percent chance of hitting so even then it's not guaranteed yeah (laughs) um but like the more power you add to this thing like the more you can ease up on the instants and sorceries if it's consistently three power then 41 instants and sorceries gives you an 80 percent chance of getting your free card or rather 41 instant sorceries that cost three or less um so just 
make sure like like play with it a little bit, see how much you can regularly pump it, and then be sure to use the hypergeometric calculator to figure out like what you need to be running in order to get the hit rate where you want it to be. I'll say that like my Prosper deck has like a fair number of instants and sorceries, but it also is like a little light on creatures. So I don't know how and and like the creatures I do have want to attack themselves rather than be enlisted. No, I don't know if I'm going to run this card in there. It just seems like I don't um, have the right structure to make it work. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's going to take a pretty particular deck for this card, but it seems like the juice is worth the squeeze, honestly. If if you're getting like a mini, like Villamachus every combat, like, hell yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like that, that's honestly pretty crazy. So, um, yeah, if you can hit like a, if you can hit like some sort of extra combat effect, uh, not Relentless Assault, because casting that during combat doesn't work, but something like it, that actually seems incredible. That would be yeah. super sick. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, I guess let's get on to this last red card then. Um, this is Rundvelt Horde Master. This is a 1-1 uh, Goblin Warrior for one and a red. It says other goblins you control get plus one plus one. And when Rundvelt Horde Master or another goblin you control dies, exile the top card of your library. If it's a goblin creature card, you may cast it. Uh, cast that card until the end of your next turn. Um, yeah, where am I putting this? <laughs> chuckle, chuckle. Toss it in your Gobbo decks. Easy, easy money. Yep. Uh, yeah, I mean, sure, it's, it's, this seems great. Like, it's a cheap lord. Um, there's lots of decks that would happily just take that, but it also is pretty darn good wrath protection. Um, yeah, really? Yeah. Although... I mean, it is worth noting that you only get to cast the goblin. So, like, keep an eye on what your hit rate is going to be. Even if you're running like 40 goblins, that means you're only getting like 40% of a card off of each one of these triggers. And, you know, also keep like your curve in mind. If all your goblins cost four or more, you might not be able to realize all those cards. Mm-hmm. It's certainly better if you have like sack outlets or. Uh, any kind of way like library manipulation or awareness of what's on top. Um, but God, it, so it, it seems like these, you, you may have noticed a pattern in that, like the white one was probably the worst of this cycle. <laughs> the blue one was a little bit better. The black one could like potentially just win you the game. This red one like offers potentially card advantage to a tribe that really needs it. Where what do you think the natural endpoint of this this trend is? How how do you expect the green one is going to look? Uh, you know, I would expect the green one to be pretty good. <laughs> you know, that'd be my my inclination if I had like not seen every member of this cycle at this point. You know. All right. Well, let's we'll we'll check that prediction in a few minutes. But I think we can move on to the green cards right now. Um, we'll start with Defiler of Vigor. So this is three green green for a 6-6 creature Phyrexian Worm. It has Trample. As additional cost to cast green permanent spells, you can pay two life. Those spells cost green less to cast if you paid life this way. This effect only reduces the amount of green mana you pay. And whenever you cast a green permanent spell, put a plus one plus one counter on each creature you control. Uh, So it's pretty expensive, but in a heavy green deck, you might be able to make a lot of that mana back. You can reduce 
if you have like a Falco Spara deck, it gives you both mana and counters, um, which are, you know, two resources that deck really needs. Uh, it could potentially make some Hydras like completely free in a Gargos deck. Uh, it's sort of similar to how the blue one can do some good work for you in a um, in an Unesh deck. Like in with this one in Gargos, Gargos reduces the generic cost by four. This could potentially reduce the green cost by one. So you're getting to the point where like, oh, are these X cost Hydras just free? Mm-hmm. Uh, that that seems pretty good. Um, but I guess it's worth mentioning that like, you know, the plus one plus one counter on each creature you control is not nearly as good as drawing cards off of the blue one. And the cost reduction it offers like is really close to just like, yeah, you can kind of replicate that with like an Earthcraft or a Tangle Root. Um, it, the only difference is like the Defiler gives you the discount up front, whereas the Earthcraft sort of you get refunded a little bit. You get a rebate on yeah. the creatures you cast. So I, I don't know. I, I think it's maybe there's something there, but like green just also has a bunch of options for getting a kind of similar like cost reduction or mana generation effect. So it's mm-hmm. not incredibly necessary. I mean, I do think that this card is very strong um, just in general. I think you could just throw this into like a deck and it would work out pretty well for you. Um, like, as long as you're playing green creatures, you're going to get a lot of value out of it, um, which is pretty crazy. So, like, yes, you can, like, absolutely go off with this and build around it. Or have a, if you already have a deck that you're playing Tangle Root in, like, why not play Defiler or Vigor? Um, same with Falco Spar and stuff like that. Um, but, like, the, I, this, I think this is just kind of like a green staple now you know okay i i i think we're gonna see this card a lot honestly like it it's not that expensive in green and it puts a lot of counters on the board uh like not as much as a cathars crusade but you gotta give white something (laughs) you gotta give them something so i i i think this is strong i don't i don't think it's like game breaking or anything like that but I, i definitely think we're just gonna see this for the for seeable future i guess mm-hmm. um but I, I it's time do we want to check our our predictions with that green member of the cycle of sure the, uh, the, the lord cycle so do you want to read this one off yeah this is a leaf crowned visionary it is green green for a one one creature elf druid other elves you control get plus one plus one and whenever you cast an elf spell you may pay green if you do draw a card uh as as far as elf lords go where do you think <laughs> this ranks uh man you know i would say pretty good <laughs> this is definitely um i don't know just auto include in any elf deck at this point like like oh yeah you know how in elf decks i make mana and draw cards well what if i had a lord that Helped you draw cards with all that mana mm-hmm. that you were making. Yeah, my elf decks are so good at making mana, but they I tend to end up with just like not enough cards in hand. Do you think you could solve that problem for me, Zach? Yeah, yeah. Well, you know what? Let me design a two mana elf um, that can help with that. So oh, here nice. you go. Thanks, man. Yeah. 
Yeah, so uh, crazy. I don't really know if we need to talk a lot about it. It's just very good. You're going to yeah. see this card in your elf decks, and it's going to overperform. Or no, yeah, no thought required in the evaluation of this. Uh, yeah. <laughs> we could easily just move on. Yeah, let's keep on moving because this next card is uh, kind of wild to me that they printed it. It's a silverback elder. So this is a green mythic in the set. So you know it's got a paragraph of text. Uh, it is a 5-7 Ape Shaman for 5 mana, uh, 2 and 3 green. It says whenever you cast a creature spell, choose 1. That's right. Nice. <laughs> Here we go. It says destroy target artifact or enchantment. Look at the top 5 cards of your library. You may put a land card from among them onto the battlefield tapped and put the rest on the bottom of your library in a random order. And you gain 4 life. Um, yeah, wow. This is, I mean... I feel like if you're playing a deck that's running Beast Whisper or something like that, you probably could just put this in two at that point. You know, yeah. like I feel like at that point, like you're not necessarily drawing cards off of the silverback, but no one has any good artifacts or enchantments. Uh, your lands are fixed. If you're behind, you've gained a bunch of life. This just seems good <laughs> yeah like i don't we don't have like enough copies of the beast whisperer effect that you can i think turn up your nose at this one yeah um it certainly like is worse in terms of just like keeping the ball rolling like drawing into more creatures that you can then cast and draw more creatures it, mm -hmm. it seems like specifically designed so that the cards you generate off of it aren't able to trigger it yeah. Um, but you know and until we get like the the you know beast whisperers like six through ten i i think you're just gonna run this card if you're trying to do like cast a million cheap creatures in green yeah no i think so too and and i mean if you're casting a ton of cheap creatures like eventually you're going to hit more of the cheap creatures in your draws that you're getting from your beast whispers or whatever. If, if you're like thinning out your deck full of lands, uh, once you've blown up all the permanents that <laughs> matter, you know, you're like, all right, well now let's get every land in my deck. Um, so I, yeah, this, it seems good. I, I would play this in, uh, like Sachi, uh, or like what's another deck that, uh, Karametra where you're like casting creatures to get your lands and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. So any any deck that's really looking to just like spew your hand onto the battlefield seems seems pretty good. Yeah. Uh, uh, our, yeah. Keep right. on I, going. I get. Oh, look. I forgot the set. Wait, can I? <laughs> this section's really short because there's a ton of kicker cards in the set, mm -hmm. but uh, these are multicolored spells because Wizards was like, "What if? <laughs> what if we put an off-color kicker on it?" And it's like, okay, sure. So, yeah, we are in the multicolor section now. Uh, so, first card we're going to talk about is Stronghold Arena. It's one in the black for an enchantment. Kicker is green and or white. Uh, so, you, so you can pay an additional green and or white as you cast it. When it enters the battlefield, you gain three life for each time it was kicked. And whenever one or more creatures you control deal combat damage to a player, you may reveal the top card of your library and put it into your hand. If you do, you lose life equal to its mana value. Uh, wow. I, this card is like so tight and I hate that 
them putting like healing salve and healing leaves on it just like relegated <laughs> it to like four color identities instead of like 15. Yeah. No, I, I pretty much feel the same way with a lot of these like dual kicker cards. There's like a red burn spell that we're not going to talk about that like hits the board for a decent amount. Like it's cute. It's funny. Like so, uh, Abzan has a cool new tool, but like if this just, just did that last pair, if it was just two mana and then that last paragraph, like it would have been oh, so much cooler. Yeah. Wow. That would have been nuts. And like, okay, yeah, this is very good in 60 card now. I'm like, yeah, I spend four, I gain six, and I have a draw engine going, like pass, like whatever, yeah. like I'll, fine. Although it is worth noting, like, um, so in 60 card, you only get the one card per turn, which, yeah, maybe that's good enough for them. In multicolor, or sorry, multiplayer, you can draw up to one card per opponent because it kind of it has the whenever one or more creatures you control deal combat damage to a player. So, you know, five creatures going at one player, you get one card, but one creature going at each of your opponents, you get three cards. This is like the exact kind of card I love to play with. I love rewards for turning guys sideways. You know, I love Biden of Thassa, Coastal Piracy. I also, you know, am very frivolous when it comes to spending my life uh, in Commander, as, as Zach can attest to. Uh, mm-hmm. So this this card seems like design like they designed it for me and then just put the kicker rider on it for stupid like cycle completion reasons and ruined it. That's how Oops. I feel about the card. Yeah, no, I pretty much feel the same way. Like, this is something that I was like, I read it. And as soon as I read it, there's just despair in my heart. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, whatever. Um, this next card is called Tear Asunder. So uh, we finally, they finally use that name, huh? Uh, it is a green instant. It costs one and a green and it has kicker for one and a black. So two mana base mode, four mana for the kicker. Uh, exile target artifact or enchantment if this spell was kicked exile target non-land permanent instead um so this is basically if you pay four mana in a golgari deck it's uh utter end mm-hmm. and uh that's you know it sees a lot of play <laughs> yeah it's it's not the exact same color identity but you know it's a close enough point of comparison other utter end is in forty five thousand decks on edh rec um, just to give you a sense of how well loved it is. Uh, and then even just the base mode is like easy upgrade over a lot of naturalize effects. Like if you were just going to toss a naturalize into your deck, be- exiling is certainly better than just blowing things up and having this, this alternate mode of like, Oh, I can deal with any threat seems awesome. So I'd say like new staple for, for Golgari and, like not a difficult call i agree with you i think this is a great card um which gets us to the timeless lotus which is a legendary artifact for five mana it enters the battlefield tapped and it says tap add wooberg so uh hmm how do you feel about this uh well i, I mean it helpfully like restricts its color identity so we don't I didn't have to like do a whole lot of research to figure out where to put this. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I was thinking like, well, it, it makes casting progenitus a bit easier. You can play this on turn five and then cast progenitus on turn six um, without any other sources of acceleration. So that's something. 
Uh, it also helps you cast your Ur Dragon, which is also prohibitively prohibitively expensive, and it like kind of pays for itself if you tutor it out using Sisse Weatherlight Captain. So if you you know have at least five power on your Sisse, you like activate it at the end of your opponent's turn. You untap, uh, and you just get like here's an extra Sisse activation for every turn going forward. Um, so that could be nice if you're doing like maybe a less combo-y Sisse list. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, no, I, I feel the same way. I, I think this is just going to see play in like Jodas and things like that. You know, like if you Woober decks got a cool, fun tool for their, their thing. It, it kind of, I, I know it's a mythic. I know it's supposed to be splashy, but it's like, the fact that they didn't put stuff like this in the rain, rainbow, rainbow painbow, I was like, what did they call it? Painbow deck. It just sucks. You know, it's like, oh, let's make it as hard as possible for you to play this deck out of the box <laughs> when like we're giving you the tools in the set, in the main set to make it easier for yourself. So like I, I can see marketing why that could be the case. But yeah, this is this. You you know where you're gonna play this card. <laughs> yeah, I don't I don't feel like you. If you're listening to this, you're gonna need us to tell you. Um, but that gets us to the artifacts. Um, so they're in particular colorless artifacts. We have to specify these days. Um, can I read off this first one? Go for it. So this is the Golden Argosi. This is a three six legendary artifact vehicle for four mana says when the golden argosi attacks exile each creature that crewed it this turn return them to the battlefield tapped under their owner's control at the beginning of the next end step and it has crew one so just as a note you can crew this as many times as you want you can over crew it you could tap like seven power worth of creatures to crew it so the crew one really is just like the tool to help you get your blink engine moving yeah um Although I will say, I, I mean, from a like optimal play perspective, it's better to crew it individually. Yes. Uh, in case, because just imagine like you tap your entire board to crew it, and then somebody stifles the crew, so you yeah. don't get to attack with it. <laughs> yeah. Nope. Not good. All right. Yeah. It's very unlikely to come up, but just be aware that that does matter. Um. So, uh, yeah, it's a cool blink engine. Uh, it is an, a little bit slow. It does take a turn to get going. Uh, kind of similar to, what is it, like Getaway Car or whatever? Yeah, yeah it was, um, yeah, the, I think it was Getaway Car. Oh, no, no, no. Oh, no, it's something else. It's it's like a, some sort of limousine. Um, mysterious limousine. There oh. we go. <laughs> okay, yeah, I forgot. There's the other car that bounces a creature to your hand, too. I thought yeah, you were talking yeah. about Okay, yeah. Yeah, but yeah, it's pretty similar. You like play it and then kind of get this funny blink engine moving. Um yeah, also worth noting, um if you're willing to sacrifice the golden argosy, um this could be useful for getting your creatures out of the way so that you can wipe the board. Um so that's well, another potential use for it. Uh but yeah, cool card. Right, I'm mm-hmm. happy to move on to the next one though. Yeah, and this one we've been waiting a long time to see. It's Karn's Silex. It is a legendary artifact. It costs three and it enters the battlefield tapped. Players can't pay life to cast spells or to activate abilities that aren't mana abilities. 
and then it has X, tap, exile, Karn, Silex, destroy each non-land permanent with mana value X or less, activate only as a sorcery. So I do want to say that I, I called this activated ability. I don't think I talked about it on the show, but to the friends that I <laughs> texted this to, I'm like, it's probably going to do this. Uh, I didn't get the pay life part, but I did get the activated ability part. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so boom. Um, but yeah, how do you feel about this? Uh, so it's interesting. Like it is certainly very slow. Um, and there are color identities that are just like not interested in this, you know, it gives your opponents a lot of time to react to it and, and plan accordingly or to answer it. Um, but even with those downsides, there are a couple lists that are interested in this effect. So the first thing that came to mind was like a Shia soul, of the wild, that's pretty cool. <laughs> yeah. So she makes all of your creatures or your non-token creatures into lands. Um, so if you activate the Silex, like, you know, assuming they can't kill a Shia in response, because that would be a disaster, um, but it'll blow up all your opponent's permanents and leave your creatures untouched. That's kind of cool. Uh, it also, because it destroys things, you can like grant your stuff indestructibility, um, like slow bad goblin tinkerer can sack half your artifacts to save your other half of your artifacts. Uh, Gerard, uh, weatherlight hero or whatever the second version of Gerard is called. Um, he will, you know, you, you activate the side legs, blow everything up. And then Gerard has his death trigger that can then return all your stuff back to the battlefield. Um, so that was kind of what I'm thinking about for the Silex. I don't know if you've got any other thoughts on it. Just to say it here, I guess, but um, there are just some colors that don't care about this as much. Um, if you are playing like a color that can wrath pretty easily or blow stuff up pretty easily, let's say like you're in white or something, doesn't really matter you know like this card's not gonna do too much for you but if you're in a color that's having a hard time wrathing the board let's say a red or something like that perhaps a blue green or something um this is a little bit better uh and the pay life is funny i I think it's cool that for this set where they're like look the phyrexian invasion has begun uh and like one of the standout cycles is the defilers we were talking about it's kind of cool that like the card that blows up the phyrexians stops those phyrexians from working so that's that's cute you know that's a Mm -hmm. nice little touch they threw in there but we can keep on moving do you want to keep on getting to this next card sure uh the next card is the most confusing card in the set (laughs) absolutely yes not not in terms of what the card does but just in terms of like what it is for um so this is the mana rig it is a three mana legendary artifact Whenever you cast a multicolored spell, create a tapped power stone token. Uh, so as a reminder, that's an artifact with tap, add, C. This mana can't be spent to cast a non-artifact spell. And it also has XXX tap. Look at the top X cards of your library. Put up to two of them into your hand and the rest on the bottom of your library in a random order. Uh, so do you have any idea what this is for? Like where it's supposed to go? No, I have no clue. Because all the multicolor spells in the set, for the most part, other than like the signpost and commons and some of the rares, are kicker spells. So like, well, well, I, 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 <laughs> like, I, 
I will say one thing. So like it's unlikely you're going to open it in a draft because this is one of the set booster exclusive cards. These are uh, one of the cards that are listed as Dominaria commander cards, but you can only get them in set boosters because uh, I don't know. Wizards taking crazy pills or something. Yeah. But but that makes it more confusing because it's like, you know, maybe if this was like if there was some sort of limited theme or like standard theme that this was supposed to play into it would be more comprehensible but this is aimed at commander this is one of Mm -hmm. the commander targeted cards and i can't think of a commander that's interested in it yeah Um, no it's because like the only things so you want to be casting the multicolor spells so that makes me think of like the five color Niv Mizzets and th- things where you're like, like really maybe like Ramos Dragon Engine Charms or yeah. maybe like Rien that like aggressive uh, multicolor reward or like Ferris Rokarik but yeah. but like Ferris Rokarik and uh, and Rien aren't interested in like taking a turn off or like you know spending a bunch of mana to play this thing that makes tokens that they can't use to cast their other spells like there's not yeah mana sinks in those decks that can use power stone mana yeah it feels like it's created for a commander that doesn't exist yet like looking at it because i've been thinking about this too like obviously like the activated ability is like absurdly expensive and the the idea is that oh no you just use all your power stones to use it because what else are you gonna use them for but like i'll use my six power stones to draw two cards yeah like, it just seems abysmal it seems terrible so yeah i i don't it, it's a mythic so you're not really going to open it thank god but but still. this is going to be the card i open the most of uh, sadly. <laughs> out of your set I, boosters I just, you know? yeah i just know it i know that's what's going to happen yeah like it's one thing to like seed cards for the future design space in like the main set whatever but this seems like such a waste of a commander only slot. I am I am allowing myself to be extremely critical of the set booster exclusive commander cards because like they have no purpose, but to make the format better. Like if you use them for anything else, uh, then you're, you have wasted a precious resource and I'm, I'm going to be a lot meaner when it comes to evaluating these cards. than it comes to, than when it comes to like, main set cards or even like pre-con cards because they all have like sort of ulterior purposes but this has is like failed at the one thing we can say it is supposed to do yeah (laughs) sorry (laughs) that's getting mean there but but hate this mana rig it sucks yeah Uh, it does suck this next card rules though do you want to talk about that instead yeah, that'll that'll turn my mood around. Yeah. Uh, this is Relic of Legends. It's three mana for an artifact. Tap, add one mana of any color. And tap an untapped legendary creature you control, add one mana of any color. Uh, so two abilities. It looks a lot like Honor Worn Shaku, but uh, with less clicks and digital, I guess. Yeah. Um, it Yeah, it seems really good in any deck with a high concentration of legendary creatures. Um, so I would for sure put this in like a shannon sleepers scourge deck um would easily put it in a uh joda 2.0 deck um but it's also good in like uh norin uh 
just because like he's flickering in and out so you can make mana on multiple people's turns. And also like there's a couple of commanders that really, really, really want to be tapped, like Archelos or King Bakar or Kalamax. Um so all of them would love the ability to control when they are tapped. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think this is just really cool. I really like this card and it's cool that they gave all these decks like something good, something something fun, you know? Mm-hmm. Just a little treat. Um, so this next one, we mentioned it in our legendary episode, uh, talking about some of the vehicle uh, adjacent commanders, but this is Weatherlight Completed. This is a legendary artifact vehicle. Costs two mana. Uh, it's uh, it's a 5-5 five, five with flying. Uh, as long as Weatherlight Completed has four or more Phyresis counters on it, it's a Phyrexian creature in addition to its other types. And whenever a creature you control dies, put a Phyresis counter on Weatherlight Completed, then draw a card if it has seven or more Phyresis counters on it. If it doesn't, scry one. Very interesting. I mean, it's it's a colorless draw engine for decks that want to sacrifice, and then like sometimes it's a 5-5. Five five. Um, how do you feel about it? So I, I hate the quest it's given me here. Yeah. Um, so like the idea that I have to get, well, first off, I have to sack four creatures before it even is able to attack and block. Or rather, well, I, guess I don't have to sacrifice them, I guess. I have to lose four creatures before it can attack or block. And I have to lose seven creatures uh, before it can draw me cards. That's so much work. That's a crazy amount of work. But uh you know the idea of like a two mana five five flying beater is that like has some corner case value it's is not nothing like there's katori and astel which both make it a lot easier which grant accrue ability to the weatherlight um so you can just play this on turn two play katori on turn three and then start hitting with your five five vehicle uh i think that's this is like the perfect kind of card for those decks. Um, you know, not super strong, but if you like doing vehicle stuff, it will work well with the vehicle commanders. Uh, so, yeah, I'd, I'd, that's probably what I would do with this card. Yeah. No, yeah, I, I don't really have too much to say about it. Um, there's some lands we can talk about. This first one it's pretty... I always wondered if they would do this, and then the Mad Lads, they did it. Um, this is a cycle um, of 10 dual lands, literal dual lands. They have, uh, for, for instance, let me read off this first one. It's called Idyllic Beachfront. Uh, it is a plains island, so that means it taps for white or blue, but it enters the battlefield tapped, and that's it. So it's it's tap land dual lands. Um, so... Uh, there's a lot to say about them. They're <laughs> slow. They're tap lands, but they make things like Sky Shroud Claim like a lot better. Your Farseeks, uh, your Perilous Forays, um, Karametra. There's a bunch of cards that like work very well with dual lands, and they work very well with these as like also. Um, the problem is they enter the battlefield tapped, but it, it is kind of funny that like the like let's say the black green one which is like haunted mire i think um is pretty much the third best green duel that we have because like or or fourth i guess because we have the 
the snow original. Ones. Yeah, we have the bayou. We have the yeah the shocklands, and then we have the snowland, which is slightly more utility. And then this one. So like, yeah, not a lot there really. And, until they start completing the other dual cycles, like the bicycle lands or the uh, battle for Zendikar lands. Um, they yeah, I, I guess this is your best op one of your best options for uh enemy color dual lands yeah which is wild that's Mm -hmm. wild to me that it's been 30 years now and they still haven't completed those cycles um but i don't know this is i mean budget duels if your deck needs them or if you're uh got ramp that can work with them or decks that care about basic land types uh you know, still pretty good. I mean, they work with Cryptgast, High Tide, Coffers, um, Valakut. If you're playing like a two-color, three-color deck with Valakut, still makes it a little bit easier. So, yeah, just kind of crazy that they finally did it, you know. Uh, do you want to get into the next land that we're talking about? Sure. Uh, next is Plaza of Heroes. So this is a land. It taps for a colorless. It also taps for one mana of any color that can only be spent to cast a legendary spell. It also taps for one mana of any color among legendary permanents you control. And it has three tap exile plaza of heroes. Target legendary creature gains hexproof and indestructible until end of turn. So this is a lot of abilities, a lot of text. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but it, um, a lot of people were talking about this card as like a potential new staple and I will say, yes, it's a new staple if you meet certain requirements. It definitely doesn't go into every deck. Um, I'm certainly a, a lot more inclined to run it in decks that just randomly have a lot of legendary permanence. Uh, so like Shannon, Sleeper, Scourge, I'll put it in there for sure. Um, also, if you have a cheap commander that you intend to keep on the board for a long time, like a... I don't know, a, a, a Patra maybe. That's like, exactly what I was going to say too. That's so funny. <laughs> yeah. So, so just something cheap comes down uh, and that you want it to stick around seems perfect for that. Uh, but if you're running like a six drop commander and you don't have a lot of legendary spells in your deck, then this kind of is just going to be a wastes. Um, like the, the card wastes. Um Outside of casting your commander, it's just not going to help you cast your spells. So, mm-hmm. yeah, wouldn't. it is. It is not just universally good. There's some people that were like, "Oh no, new command tower." It's like, no, 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 not yeah. not the new command tower. This is uh, a lot of words to mostly be worse mm-hmm. a lot of the time. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, right. la- this is the last one, right? We did it. We sure. made it. Uh, you can read this off. Go for it. Cool. So this is Thran Portal. So this is funny. This is a land gate. So we got another gate. Uh, As it enters the battlefield, uh, it enters tapped unless you control two or fewer other lands. Um, And Thran Portal enters the battlefield. You choose... I'm going to read this all over again because I've been reading this bad. (laughs) So Thran Portal is a land gate. Uh, It enters the battlefield tapped unless you control two or fewer other lands. And as Thran Portal enters the battlefield, you choose a basic land type. Uh, It is the chosen type in addition to its other types. So it could be like a gate plains, a gate mountain, whatever. And mana abilities of Thran Portal cost an additional one life to activate. So it's a gate that 
costs you a lot. It's like a, a city of brass gate, basically. Yeah, that's uh, yeah, that's pretty <laughs> much it. <laughs> uh, I mean, okay, so it's it's not bad. Um, yeah, I mean, let's start off by saying that like Nine Fingers Keen will hundred percent play it because it's another game. Yeah. Yeah, it's another uh, gate in color. <laughs> yeah, so easy. Uh but in terms of like other decks, I mean it's slightly better than like a than like a Shimmer Drift Isle or like a um even arguably like an evolving wilds or terramorphic expanse if you don't have um if you don't have landfall synergies. So uh just the fact that it can like add mana early game is not awful Mm -hmm. um but i'd say like you're uh if you're despy for real for very early game fixing i would run this otherwise probably not yep i mean i i feel that too like if you're doing like a like when we talked about budget mana bases before like gate stuff that this will work here it's another gate for your three color like budget mana base this is not going to be that expensive is my assumption um it's not the best at fixing but hey you know it's fits into an archetype um and basically with all of that said how do you feel about dominaria united we've gotten through the commander decks we've gotten through the the main set we've gotten through the box toppers so what what are you feeling about this so okay for the mechanics, I couldn't care less about Enlist. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think Read Ahead is a really nice twist on um, on Sagas because like prior to this set, whenever we saw a Saga, if the first mode didn't do something cool, I just kind of wrote it off. Mm-hmm. Um, but now with Read Ahead, I like hope this becomes, I hope this returns or like becomes a more normal Saga thing. Yeah, yeah. because it's just much much better to like it they almost become like modal spells with read ahead like i have these three options and yeah i'll get more stuff later but what really matters is what it does the turn it comes in and now i i have real choices as opposed to well i'm just going to play this and hope that this third chapter is still good by the time my third turn rolls around yeah Um, absolutely so i i think that's a great innovation love that uh the kicker uh we really didn't talk about that many cards with kicker no Um, (laughs) it is i mean it is really just a way to make color identities more narrow um which is i think kind of annoying certainly pissed me off with the the stronghold arena um i would i mean also it's you know kind of a it's a very bread and butter mechanic uh, I don't. I, don't, I mean, yeah. it's not a bad mechanic, but it's also just not really innovative or anything. We've seen right. it so many times before. I mean, there, there's a lot of cards with Kicker in the set. A lot of uncommons, a lot of commons. It is a main feature of the set at large. You're gonna but, find uses for some of them, but like the, I don't know. Some of them are so obvious. There's not really a point to talking about them. Some of them are so like underpowered. There's not really a point to talking about them. Like if you, I'm going to give you an example, like Scout the Wilderness is a common from the set. It's three mana, sorcery, search your library for a basic land card, put it on the battlefield, tapped and shuffle. Uh, and then it has kicker for one and a white. If the spell is kicked, you make two one, one white soldier creature tokens. 
like okay sure like if you're playing white green tokens you can put that in but it's not better than cultivate it's not better than like the raise the alarm you know it's it's just a card you can put in your deck and that's most of the kicker cards this time around is like minor benefit on like a worse face so yeah we didn't really talk about a lot of them but it's mostly just because like there's not a lot to say (laughs) about about a lot of them um the only other one i was thinking i kind of mentioned it earlier there's temporal firestorm which is a five mana red sorcery uh it deals five damage to each creature in each planeswalker but when you cast it it has kicker one white and one blue so you can like phase things out while you cast it to save some stuff like that kind of sucks, though. I don't want to spend nine mana <laughs> to save two things. And at that point, like in white, blue, green or white, white, blue, red, uh, there's a lot better ways to blow everything up. So like there's just they just weren't very exciting uh, is really the point, I think, to make about the kicker cards. Like they just didn't really give them the oomph for commander. And then they're not very easy to abuse with like ETBs and things like that. Oh yeah, God! I there's nothing more I hate more than the text. Uh, there's nothing I hate more than the text. Like when this enters the battlefield, if it was kicked, like okay, so it's not going to work with my blink stuff. It's not going to work with my reanimation stuff. Yeah, uh, I'm just going to tear this card in half right now. Yeah, like there, the time. There's a kiln fiend in the deck. Uh, get to amplifier that every time I look at, like it's so. If it just did the thing, it would be so good. But instead, it's a. Uh, when it enters the battlefield, if it was kicked, you bounce a creature in opponent controls, and then it kiln fiends as like the second part. And it's like, come on, <laughs> like, like, oh man, okay, whatever. So there's just like a lot of stuff like that that are like, you know, fine. I get my value technically with this, but like, whatever. I get. <sighs> I'm, I'm trying to find like any other one. There's the shieldrids one, the reanimation spell that like still isn't good i'm actually not even oh i know yeah zombified too powerful for standard so they gave us a worse version (laughs) yeah it's just terrible so um all that said yeah the main mechanics of the set were not cool but the i mean the legends we had such a high hit rate on the legends there's a lot of cool artifacts in the set uh we talked about a few of them but like uh it's it's cool to see like them not be afraid they, they've kind of honed in on like what is okay for a commander so like five mana mana rock cool like relic of legends rad this is awesome so I, I hope they keep doing stuff like that in the future go like oh okay like this is a card really beloved by certain people what if we make a version that slots really well into the deck mm-hmm. so that's what i'm hoping to but in, in general the flavor is really cool it's cool to see a lot of these old faces uh, i don't think the nostalgia is quite as like deep as the first time we went to Dominaria, they really pushed that that aspect of it that time and this time it's much more about like look at all these people gear up for the phyrexian invasion and like that's whatever i'll say they hit on the nostalgia with like a lot of the bonus legends like the box toppers and stuff oh that's definitely true yeah but yeah in the main set it's just like okay there's some good easter eggs in the art um but it feels like fewer like named references on the cards yeah absolutely and it, it this set has really been throwing me for a loop too because some of the box topper legends or, or set booster legends i i really did think were in the main set like not the legends legends ones but like uh like the worm worm guy isn't in the main set <laughs> so like you're not going to be able to draft him um 
So just stuff like that where it's like, oh, okay, well, it's getting just increasingly harder to know what you can open in what pack. Mm -hmm. So, you know, whatever. I mean, there's there's cool stuff in the set. I'm excited. I'm going to play it. Uh, The Limited has been very good. It's out on Arena. It's pre-release weekend as we record this. So hopefully you guys are all jamming games and having fun. But but yeah, that's I I think as far as I'm concerned, I don't really have any more thoughts necessary to record on this audio format. So how how are you doing? How are you feeling? Uh I guess one last thing I'm going to say is like I felt the as as somebody who loves the Phyrexians and has been waiting patiently for thirteen years. Yeah. <laughs> to get a stronger Phyrexian presence. Like most of these Phyrexian cards are not, are kind of underwhelming. Like, okay. The, some of the defilers are pretty cool. Shield red's cool. Uh, but just like the random Phyrexians don't do it for me, but it's fine. I know I'm get, about to get, uh, uh, another half years. Yeah. 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 I'm, I'm going to get another serving of them in the brothers war, probably see Gix or something. And then, uh, it's going to be a buffet after that. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, okay. And I do want to say we didn't talk about the black defiler cause it's bad. So yeah, <laughs> sorry. We also everybody. didn't talk about the red defiler cause it's bad. Yeah. It, that's also bad. They're a bomb rare in limited and nowhere else. So uh, have fun there. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so I, I am excited to see more Phyrexians and I do want to say like the art in this set. Oh, I'm so glad that they've gone back to like, I feel like Ixalan was the peak of like, every single card looked the same. They had really homogenized like the look and feel of the set, which mm. gave like the world like pretty cohesive flavor. But like in this set you have um, like the new bone splinters by Jeremy Wilson, just so cool right next to like uh, kind of a more like realistic looking person with like timely interference right next to like the Vesuvian Duplomancy, which is like very trippy Wiley Beckert. Art. So, like, I'm very, very happy with the art direction in the set, um, and I really hope that it continues like this. It also um, helps that they just have, like, I got to imagine the the world building guide, the visual guide, whatever they give the artists as reference materials uh, for Dominaria has got to be twice, as, at least twice yeah. as thick as the one for any other plane. Like, yeah. <laughs> You know, on Ixalan, you've got four distinct cultures and like here's the the visual signifiers for each of these four things. But just like going through Dominaria, it's like, well, OK, here's the Keldon visual style. Here's the Phyrexian visual style. Here's, here's the Talarian visual style. Yeah, here's, here's the, the Cabal. Yeah. yeah, the Cabal, Urborg. Yeah. Yeah. Just like so many. So like they are able to make things like more varied in how they look, too, which is. Uh, really nice and it makes the world feel like more lived in and real and diverse than any other planes because they've they've just had 30 years to build it up yeah yeah which is i mean that's i think one of the strengths of magic is like the depth of it's like creative and world building over the years like say what you will about the story because i will say a lot about the story and how not actually good it's been for most of (laughs) time it's existed it it has some really cool points some really interesting characters that people really care about and some like really cool visuals um like i really love like they brought some flowstone back in the set and i i love seeing like the modern take on like with with more uh varied 
and a lot more digital art with the flowstone. So it, it looks cool. It's interesting to see this concept that's been around for a long time, like reimagined by these artists and stuff. So definitely really love the visual like aesthetics of the set, uh, even if I don't care about the kicker and stuff. <laughs> so, um, yeah. Uh, oh, I'm, we forgot about domain. I think we mentioned like literally zero oh, domain cards. Yeah, we, 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 you. <laughs> you're right. So domain, you all know what it is, but yeah, there's just, it's such a bust for commander. Yeah. Um, as like basically the last <laughs> on the set. It's like not like enlist, who cares? Domain, who cares? Kicker. Oh man, come on. But all these things make limited very good and fun, but like are just not very applicable in Commander is kinda mm-hmm. where it ends up being. So uh I guess that's kinda where I would put the set. Like if the box topper legends weren't here, like the set would not be nearly as interesting to me. I agree. Yeah, I think that the fact that they were like, they were not beholden to what the rest of the set was doing, so they could just be super weird and also like more powerful because they were technically commander cards. Yeah, um, yeah, just made the set way more interesting, and I had a lot of fun talking about all of them in our last episode. Yeah, absolutely. Which, if you haven't listened to, I would definitely dig into. It was really fun, and there's so much stuff. Um, so. Yeah, so now now I'm done. <laughs> yes, I, I am done as well. Before we go, I want to give a big thank you, of course, to Alex White Clay, who oh, yes, helped us you. out tremendously with the set review. Uh, and then, of course, a thank you to all of our Patreon patrons. Uh, they are Gustav, Addison, Rick, Raphael, Kyle, Laser, Charlotte, the White Clays, Hannah, James, Logan, Roger, Bryce, Dylan, Benjamin, Jamie, Matthew, Kyle, Brandon, Kevin, Jeremy, Russell, Dylan, Micah, Troy, Roxanne, Charles, Daniel, Andrew, Jason, Paul, Johan, Jonathan, Christian, Jim, Andrew, Vasilios, Logan, Fugril, Carl Oscar, Danny B, Mifflin, Jean-Francois, Drew, Recta, Nick, BJ, and Cameron. Thank you all for supporting the show. If you're not currently a Patreon patron but would like to become one, please check us out at patreon.com slash commander theory. Thanks for listening. You can reach out to me on Twitter. I'm at commander theory. And on Twitter, I am at fat Bartleby. You can also email us at commandertheory at gmail.com. Our theme song is Lincoln Continental by Nick Cage. You can check him out on SoundCloud. And if you're interested in some other creative products I'm working on, I have a band you can check out. We are a pink punk, pop punk band called The Have Nots, all one word like Cosmonauts. Uh, you can listen to all of our music for free right now. You can just head over to thehavenots.bandcamp.com. That is T-H-E-H-A-V-N-A-U-T-S.bandcamp.com. And check us out. Let me know what you think.